Greetings to all of you in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. This is um, an amazing moment for me to know that I am leaving you for a short time. I'm normally, I would normally be crying now, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm really just filled with uh, strength and joy. And so I thank, thank the Lord for that. And what a privilege it is to address what I'm going to address today. Um, our text is Joshua 23:11. So if you could please turn with me in your Bibles. <clears throat> this is a very short uh, scripture, but it is a, a lifelong endeavor and learning. So Joshua 23, verse 11. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. So, how is it that I am standing up here to speak to you about this today? I, uh, to talk about this greatest commandment of loving God. I don't think there has been a day in my life where I have actually loved God with all my heart and with all my soul, all my mind and all my strength. In fact, in all those endeavors I have failed and I am much to be pitied. Uh, I am very weak, but Jesus Christ is very strong. He is mighty to save. And so, for you and I together today, as we take a journey through God's word and the, and the greatest commandment, let us do so with hope, because we have a Savior who has done all things well. He has loved the Father with all his heart and soul and mind and strength. And therefore, we can rest in him with power by the Spirit to obey his commands. So today, we want to look at three things. Who must love God? Number one, who must love God? Number two, who is the God who must be loved? Two, who is the God who must be loved? And three, how do we love God? How do we love God? So the reason I started with uh, this text, 20, Joshua 23.11, is because he, he starts off this uh, commandment with the words, Be very careful. Why? He's speaking to the Israelites, and they're in a dangerous time of prosperity. They've been uh, delivered from enemies, they're no longer in the wilderness, and they are at risk of being deceived by the, um, the pluralism, all the false worship that's going on in the land. And when they were in the wilderness... They were reminded every day of their need for God, right? You all know when it's a tough season, you remember that you need God. Yet the Israelites continued to forget that and be ungrateful in the wilderness. So how much more danger were they in? How much more danger are we in, in times of prosperity when things are going well for us? So he's warning them to be on their guard, be very careful to love the Lord your God. Do not forget your first love, as Ellen said the previous week. So, we need to be on God. We have wealth, we have health, we have Netflix, we have entertainment everywhere. We need to be on God. We have shiny cars, we have all sorts of things. We need to be on God to love the Lord our God. If you could also turn with me now to Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 to 5, this will be very familiar to you. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 5. This is called the Shema, Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel, 
the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. They shall be on your heart. Be very careful. Remember. Don't forget this command. Now, there is a serious misapprehension by many people that the Old Testament is all about a list of rules that you've got to obey in order to be loved by God. But look at this. The greatest commandment is one of affections. It's one of an inner reality, a relationship with a person. We are told to love God with our heart. The, the location of this love is in our heart. It's a personal, it's a spiritual, it's a vibrant, it's a real relationship with the almighty God that is formed by faith on the basis of his saving works. The gospel reminds us of the central place of all of this in the scriptures. I think you will all be familiar that at one point in the New Testament, uh, a, a teacher of the law says to Jesus to test him out, what is the greatest commandment? And so he replies he's, he, with, the, with the Shema, quoting from Deuteronomy 6, and he adds something. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What is he saying? This is what it looks like to live a life of love. And that's what the Christian life is. It is a life of love. It is a life of loving God and of loving others. There's a vertical love and there's a horizontal love. The Christian life is about love. And the book of Deuteronomy actually shows us what this love looks like. But in the Old Testament, just as in the New Testament, your love, being loved by God was not something you earned. It was something that God gave. And our love to him is in response. So we're going to be looking specifically today about that component of the Christian life that is vertical, that we should love God. So to answer the first question, who should love God? Who should love God? Well, Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is speaking to Israel. He's describing God's people. We are grafted in. We are being addressed by this command. They are God's people for three main reasons. The first is that God has chosen them. He says in Deuteronomy 7 verse 6, The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possessions, right? Israel is God's people. We are God's people because we have been chosen by him. Secondly, we are God's people because we have been redeemed. In uh, Deuteronomy 6.12, he says, Do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of slavery. When your son asks you, tell him, We were slaves in Egypt, but the Lord has brought us out. It was because the Lord loved you that he redeemed you from the land of slavery. And so it is with us. Think for a moment. How did God save you? When did God save you? The point is, he redeemed you out of the pit and set you upon the solid rock and has given you life in Jesus Christ. Therefore, you are his because he has redeemed you. 
So you have been chosen by God, you have been redeemed by God. And thirdly, we are God's people because God has covenanted with us. And this is the big one. Deuteronomy 5 verse 2, The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. The idea is that we are God's people because God has covenanted with us. He has made a promise to us. And therefore we are his people. It is impossible to unbecome his people. He's the one who chose you. He's the one who redeemed you. And he is the one who has covenanted with you. You are God's people. So not only are you God's people, but you are the only ones who are being addressed by this command. See, God has bonded himself with them through this covenant where he says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. We need to understand something here. The, the claim, the command that we are to love God with all our heart is not given to his enemies. It is given to his people. Why? Because God's enemies cannot love God. And they don't want to love God. Only God's people, the ones to whom he has pledged his promises, are the ones who can love him. Instead, what we do with the gospel is we say to people, repent of your sin and trust in Christ and you will have a perfect savior. And he will love you with the same love with which he loved his son. But if you go to an unbeliever and say, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength, you have put a weight around their neck and chucked them into the ocean. You have put them under the worst bondage of legalism possible because they cannot love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, strength and mind. They need a new heart. They must be born again. Do you get this? You must be born again. You have to be regenerate to love God. You have to have a new heart. And that's why when God says to you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, you can. Because he's given you a new one. See, I will take out the heart of stone and put in you a heart of flesh and put my spirit in you. So cause you to walk in my statutes and obey my commandments. That's the freedom of the gospel. That's the true gospel. But you cannot say to somebody who hates God, love God with the same heart that hates God. It's not possible. So, if you have embraced Jesus Christ, this command comes to you today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So that's who must love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's the believers. The second question is, who is God? The one that must be loved. Who is God? This is really important because... Whenever you see the word Lord there, you would have seen it in capital letters, right? That is the personal divine name of God. It is his actual personal name, the one he has given to himself. He's not saying you must love a God. He's not saying you must love gods. He's not saying you must love whichever God you like. He's saying that you must love Yahweh, the one who has disclosed himself through the prophets and in, in, in former times in many ways, but in these last days has spoken to us through his son. That is the one whom we must love. No other gods. You shall have no other gods before me. Only Yahweh. And that's really important because we live in a, what would you call a, a pluralistic society. People think there can be any gods. And so when you say to them, hey, I'm a spiritual person or like we're a people of faith, it's true in a sense, but we are people who love Yahweh. 
It's not any God. Most people don't find it too offensive if they uh, believe in the idea of spiritual things for you to say, yeah, you know, we must love God. But what is offensive is when you say, there is only one God, that God is Yahweh, and he's the only one you must love, and you can only love him through Jesus Christ by the Spirit. <laughs> if you buy a car brand new, if you've ever been in a position to do that, you will have noticed that they give you like this laundry list of options, right? And you can say, oh, I want this color, I want this color, I don't want cloth, I want leather, I want this inlay in the dashboard, and I want this engine, and whatever. You can customize it. It's a pick and mix. You, you get what you pay for, and you can design it. Design a cause. You can even do it with shoes now, I found out recently. You can choose colors and laces. The, oh, this, this, is a, this is a test. Uh, the Lord looks at the heart. Uh, <laughs> not poor fashion choices. Um, so, so, yeah, you, you, can, you can basically design your own life, pick your own details of everything like that. Not so with God. You get the God who is. You don't get the God you want there to be. There is only one God. He has only acted in certain ways in history, and there are only certain ways to worship him, and there's only one way to approach the throne through Jesus Christ. Amen. So in a world that wants to customize who God is, we don't have that option because it is God alone who we must worship, who is Yahweh. And finally, how do we love? How do we love, as the people of God, how do we love Yahweh? So Jesus, in his words, which we read just now there, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So firstly, love Yahweh, your God, with all your heart and mind. Now, I've added these together. I've put those two words together, with all your heart and your mind. Because we often think of these Things is different. The heart or the mind. I've made this decision with my heart or I've made this decision with my mind as if they're like two rival departments in a business that don't want to speak to each other. Okay. But that is an unbiblical distinction. That distinction actually does not exist in scriptures. In fact, they are, in Hebrew thought especially, and language, the heart includes the mind, the will, the desire, the intent, and the motive. And I can prove it to you. Here's Proverbs 23, verse 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. We are not like multi-component in this sense. We Our hearts and our minds, they work together. Obviously, we have a brain and a heart in biology. But spiritually, the heart and the mind work together. There is no particular distinction here. There are, the, the, the mind is always thinking and informing the actions of the heart. The heart is always desiring and informing the mind, and, and so it works together. And it's interesting because the location of this is, is internal. It's internal. The, uh, the Old Covenant recognized, even in the Old Covenant, that a spiritual relationship with God begins within, within, right? All the external ceremonies, if people were just doing them without loving God, God would say that your worship is like clanging cymbals to me and the incense is repulsive in my nostrils and I won't hear your prayers because of it. 
So it's not the case that the Old Testament was about external things and the New Testament was about an internal reality. It is very much so from the beginning that God wanted people to love him with their hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, From the heart flow the springs of life. And so I want to tell you, without an informed will, without a mind and a heart that loves God, it is impossible to love him. It's impossible to live this Christian life of love. Maybe as a helpful analogy, knowledge is not enough and affection is not enough. So let's say um, I, I know this uh, girl from the movies, um, Selena Gomez, let's just say her for example, and I go and I read her Wikipedia page and her biography and I learn all the details about her, okay, and she's very pretty so I have a crush on her. Okay, now if Antonio flies across to LA right now and says, hey Selena, uh, I've met your, your husband Alex, she's going to be like, my who? I may know all the facts about her, I may have feelings towards her, but she has no idea who I am. And so it will be for all the people who come to Jesus and say, we did all these things in your name, we cast out demons and so and so, and he would say, depart from me, I never knew you. Because remember, the devil knows true things about God as well. Is he saved? He knows that there's only one God. Right? He knows that the only way to God is Jesus Christ. But can he love God? No. So it is not just knowledge that is enough. And it is not just affections. Because you can be infatuated with someone and not actually truly love them. It's possible. And you can think that you love God, but be worshipping a different God. You can be deceived. So you have to love God. There have to be affections, but you have to love in truth. That's the only worship God will receive. That that is in spirit and in truth. That which is an internal reality that is based on the objective truths disclosed to us in Scripture. That's the only way we can love God. With our heart and with our mind. So, a couple thoughts about loving God with your mind. Every single person on the face of the planet is a theologian. Maybe not a professional one, but they are a theologian. Even an atheist is a theologian because he makes the theological statement that God does not exist. Okay, they just have a very short theology, systematic theology. It's just like a couple <laughs> words. God does not exist. Okay, so... Only one page, 100% wrong. And then there are other people who uh, write 800 pages of heretical garbage. They're also theologians. Uh, they're wrong as well. Uh, they might recognize that they're spiritual realities, but they get the wrong God. The, for example, any false religion uh, will have its own systematic theology, so there's people making theological claims. But... Especially every Christian is a theologian because if you have confessed Christ and made a decision to follow him, in order to do that, you had to first decide who he is. You had to hear the call to repentance and faith and you had to respond. So all of these things are theological things you've done. Everything. So if you tell me that God is three in one, the Trinity, then you are making a theological statement. You believe it to be true and you want to defend it. So every person is a theologian. So, 
be a good one. Really, seriously, think, ask, learn, read your Bibles, go to Kluth Theological Center that Antonio runs, I'm a, a trustee there. The courses are incredible. There is a great satanic lie on the face of this earth that more knowledge of God will result in legalism and being a horrible person to have at dinner parties. Okay, now... It is possible that that is the case, just like Satan knows a lot more about God than most people on the face of the planet, and you definitely don't want to invite him for dinner, okay? But um, knowledge puffs up without love, okay? But love without knowledge, big problem as well. That's how people slide out of the faith. So be a good one. Read some books. Ask people here. There's lots of people here who love to teach. There's Bible studies. Because I would find it very hard to believe that you truly loved your spouse if you didn't want to know anything about them. Or you said, you know what? I've been married with them for like 30 years. I'm not really, uh, you know, I think I've got this down. I'm not interested in like any further incremental knowledge. I don't want to know anything more about them. I don't want to be able to love them better. Come on. This is the creator of the universe we're talking about. The one who's redeemed you out of the pit of hell. And given you life. Let's learn about God together. You're all theologians. Be a good one. Secondly, be satisfied, don't be satisfied with just an intellectual awareness of his attributes, his character, and his acts. But actually devote mental effort to serve these affections. And what I mean by this is to meditate on God's truth. That you open your word and you sit before the Lord and you, and you love him and you admire him and you treasure him. So you, and you can, these emotions grow. All of you who are mature believers know this, that the fires are stoked by, by repeatedly being uh, uh, intentional in remembering who God is and what he has done for you. So you need to learn these things, be a good theologian, and then you need to apply them. They need to lead to worship. If there's a fact in your brain that's true about God, but it doesn't lead you to worship, that fact is not really relevant. It's of no benefit to you. So learn about God, but then worship Him for what you learn. Then Jesus says, love Yahweh your God with all your soul. So along with our hearts, we're called to love God with our, our soul. So in the first five books of the Old Testament... Soul often refers to a person's whole being. It's not some like spiritual thing by itself. It's, it's everything. Uh, in Genesis 2.7, we are told that Yahweh formed uh, the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a soul creature, a living soul, a soul. So when God breathed into him, he became a soul. Elsewhere, corpses are called dead souls. It just simply means the person. And we say how many souls are on board a ship or, or a flight. Yahweh promises that his soul, i.e. his being, shall not abhor all who follow his lead. That's in Leviticus 26.11. So in light of all these texts, it seems that Moses is starting this call to love God um, with our whole person. 
And so each one of us is to love God with our, with our everything, our complete being. No part of you untouched with love for God. Remember that before you were saved, there was no part of you that was untouched by sin. You were totally depraved, meaning that every part of you was infected, dead with sin. It doesn't mean everybody was as evil as they could have been, but that the whole of the soul was dead because of sin. But how much more in Jesus Christ is the whole soul alive and to be filled with love for God? So if our entire being is to display that we love God, I'd like you to think carefully in the week ahead about what in your life demonstrates that to be true. Something to think about. What about your life demonstrates that your entire being loves God? And then lastly, love Yahweh your God with all your strength. Now, I'm getting nervous here because not very many people speak Greek or Hebrew, and so you can kind of get away with a whole load of things. But today, Antonio is sitting over here with the Hebrew Old Testament, so he'll correct me if I'm wrong here. But in Deuteronomy 6, 5, uh, might, the word used there in Hebrew is basically the word that functions for very in 298 cases in the Old Testament. So God is telling you to love him with your veriness, with your muchness, with your everything, with all your resources, with all your strength. That's the Greek translation, and the Arabic translation would be um, wealth, meaning abundance of resources. So with all your all, with all your very, with all your much, Almost like it aches from the inside. That's the love with which you are to love God. So if Moses is uh, starting off by saying love God from the inside, it kind of caps off with the wider thing. Not just your body, but everything that you do. Your everyness includes your actions. It includes your behaviors. It includes your relationships. It's the whole wider picture that you can love God, you can worship God in everything that your hands find to do. With your everyness, with all your power, with all your resources. And we have a, a scary demonstration of how difficult this is. Because uh, Jesus once spoke with a man who had a lot of much. He had a lot of very he was the rich young ruler. He had lived a moral life, in his view, and felt that he had kept all the commandments. And instead of Jesus actually going and showing him that he hadn't, what he did is he said, fine, all these things you have done, but one thing you lack. Sell all you have and give it away. Jesus pointed out his muchness, and it made the man sad because that muchness was not directed towards God. He loved the muchness. He didn't love God with the muchness. It's not wrong to have much. It is wrong to love much more than God. So what he had, his much, was an idol. He worshipped his very. He didn't worship God. And that is what all people who keep Jesus as a distance, at a distance do including people who come to church. 
They can, it's possible to attend church every week and keep Jesus as a difference. You can stand a few feet away from the worship and the preaching of the word and hold Jesus at an eternal, uh, an eternal distance because you love everything else or anything else more than God. So as we close, I just want to ask you how you are doing. Because Jesus said to Simon in John 21.16, Simon, do you truly love me? So can you picture that Jesus, he's risen from the dead and he appears to you now again and he looks into your soul and he asks you that question. Do you really, really love me? Now there's three answers you could give here. Well, three situations. The first is, you say no. There are people who do not love God. And so if that is what you today here, yeah, you, you do not love God, uh, you refuse to obey his commandments, to, to follow him, then I say to you that you are in grave danger and you must repent of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And this love that we are speaking about, you will be able to give to God because he has first loved you. And then there are those who say yes, but they don't. They think they do. The person who claims to be a Christian but doesn't truly love God is the strangest of all imposters. And they're the person who's in the greatest danger. Because the person who openly rebels against God knows where he stands and people know where he stands and can preach the gospel to him. But those who put on the cloak of, of love for God but do not love him really are in the greatest danger. In fact, when they stand and they sing to God, they heap judgment upon themselves and they harden their hearts. To raise your hands towards the God who you don't really love is a great blasphemy. And uh, God actually says he'd rather that you just openly rejected him. Right? You lukewarm, I spit you out. I wish you were just like the others, rather. But rather that than uh, falsely testify to loving God. And so to you too, I say put down the hypocrisy and, and repent and trust God. And you, you too will be saved. And then to most of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ who I love so much, I want you to be encouraged and comforted today with the words from 1 John 4.19, we love him because he first loved us. The commandment to love God is not a yoke for God's people. Mm, it is freedom. He has put a heart in you that is capable of loving God. And he has put a spirit in you that is capable of causing you to walk in his statutes and to endure to the end. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. So, I hope that we would be saying, Lord, with Peter, Lord, you know that I love you. 21 verse 16. But as I would be saying it, I, I'd be ashamed that my love for him is so small in light of the immensity of what he has done for me and how forgetful I am at every stage of the day. I just remember, oh, I've forgotten to love God. It was uh, R.C. Sproul who, who once uh, 
read these, these words out. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. All my heart, all my soul, all my strength, I haven't done that for five minutes. But Jesus Christ has. So I look at this and I, I, my failures in loving God and I just see my need for a Savior. And I look to Jesus and then I see my provision of a Savior. He is the one who can pull that muchness uh, in his direction. One who can remind me constantly and increasingly of what Jesus has done for us. This is the kind of love for him that cannot exist apart from Jesus. For Jesus and the Father are one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I'll love and I'll miss you guys. <laughs>